Hello and welcome to episode 200 of Three Beers and a Movie. I am Richard Laird. I'm with a very tired Barry Neil. A very, very tired Barry Neil. Um, again, because we can't go anywhere really right now. We have the central Scotland's in our way. We can't go through Glasgow to get here. So we're once again doing this by Zoom. Um, yeah. It is middle of, it is middle of the day. You are waking up from going to work about to go to work again. I am hungover, tired from watching the hockey. <laughs> so I'm assuming you're not <laughs> drinking anything right now. Is that correct? Well, just... Uh... Finest Red Bull, so you know your heart is going at the clappers. Then basically, yes. Ah, uh, nah, not really. I'm so used to it now that it's like <laughs> it's like drinking water for the common <laughs> man. <laughs> In a constant caffeine high. Um, but it's, it's, a lovely, it's a lovely day uh, in Scotland just now, so hopefully you'll have a couple of beers later on. Um, but yes. not 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 this time of day. Um, before we go into movie news, I think we should acknowledge this is episode 200. We've been uh, we've now done this 200 times. Um, you've not quite done 200. You've done a good, you must have done at least 100 of these damn things now, surely. Aye. But at this point, aye. It, it must be close to about 100. Aye. You've done, you've done a full year's worth at least. Aye. To a lockdown. And you've done a, you've done, you've done a bunch of them when we used to meet up. Maybe done every, like, every like second or third one you would kind of pop in and do it, wouldn't you, roughly? Yeah, yeah. Aye. Um, aye. You, you must be pretty close to the, the 100 mark yourself. Oh, almost a celebration. Uh, it feels weird because we've done the hundred the first time round. It was really exciting because like we, we got a free beer yeah. and we, like, people sending messages to us and stuff like this. This one feels a lot more low key because like we're not being out and doing things and we're just sort of doing it at home. Warm weather. <laughs> I, but it feels it feels this one actually feels more important because I felt like I feel like this particular last fifty odd we've done has felt it's been really important for like me and you just to sort of help us through mm. what the country's been going through over the past like. You know, yeah. over a year, this has felt it's felt like one of the true constants we've had over the past like sort of year is doing this once a week. Mm. You know, yeah, yeah, and it's allowed to something. Yeah, totally, totally. It's um, you know, as much as we have a wee chat over text message like uh, every few days or whatever, you know, it doesn't actually beat you know a bit of a face to face, albeit yeah. through Zoom, but you know, a bit of face to face conversation, you know. Aye, so it's, it's been generally very nice to, to get to another get to another landmark. So two hundred episodes, so it's nice. Um, hopefully, the time we get to three hundred, at least we're doing it with Colin involved again. It'd be nice to call him back on Mike. The man's a very shy yeah, man. By episode three hundred, we might all be walking about in hamster balls. You know, <laughs> could possibly be the case. Um, yeah, but so yeah, very happy to get to episode two hundred. I'm more amazed that I've stuck to this for two hundred odd weeks, which is um, the longest stuck to pretty much anything. To be honest, so yeah, I'm more proud of that. I've stuck with this longer than most jobs. <laughs> you have, that, you've stuck with it longer, way longer than any job you've had. So this is this is generally amazing. <laughs> it's getting to the point where it's almost time to put it on my CV. <laughs> <laughs> it gets you. It will not get you a job. At least it's something. One of your it's, it's an activity you do outside of work to show you have personality. Um, exactly. So. Do as we have been doing recently, going to some movie news. I think there's only one really big movie story um, this week, unless you've got mm. another one. But the one I've got is the fact that we talked about it briefly last week that it was, it was sort of about to happen. But Amazon did buy um, MGM Studios. I think it was something yeah. like 8.9 billion they bought them for, something along those lines. Yeah. Um, which are, I, I mean, 8.5 8.5 billion. What's, what's 0.4 billion between friends? Uh, exactly. <laughs> 
amazingly not Amazon's biggest purchase, which I think shows you the, the fucking size of Amazon because they bought is it Whole Foods or something last year or something for oh, nine million or something. So not yeah. even Amazon's biggest purchase. Um, I have reservations about this. Um, I don't like to see less studios available because it means there's less place to go for films to get made. Um, there is a hope that Amazon might take MGM's back catalogue and make it available on Amazon Prime, Amazon Streaming. That would be really nice. Um, mm. Big issue, big problem you have got, though, is Amazon doesn't particularly like its physical media. So the chance of being able to get a lot of these Amazon films, now that Amazon now owns, be able to buy them will be very, very difficult. You know, So obviously James Bond uh. is still available on, on Blu-ray and DVD because it's, it's James Bond. But mm. you're thinking of the back catalogue and stuff, and even just what other studios are doing, like Sony's not releasing as much on DVD and Blu-ray, and neither's um, you know Netflix and Disney and all that kind of stuff. So mm. it, it, that's that's an issue to me. And also, um, I don't know what Amazon's like allowing its stuff to be shown in theaters when it's not like releasing it. So like so, MGM is quite cool in allowing a lot of its films to put into like sort of cinemas when people just pay and go and see it. You know, if you can put an old film on just for a, you know, just to go and watch it. You know, Prince Charles here does it great. Mm. Even cinema up here does it quite a lot. Um, Amazon might not allow that, so the chance of seeing all these old films on a big screen might now begin to disappear as well. So, I do worry about the yeah. access to like old media might be now be slowly dying off in the face of, of this, which is a real concern. I mean, so if, you can, if I think right now. If I can buy physical media, it might actually work buying the actual physical copies of DVDs and Blu-rays so you have the film. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, and if that actually goes away, the whole like, showing an older movie in the cinema, that will actually be quite heartbreaking because I do quite enjoy that kind of thing. And I've been a champion for a long time of do that, you know. Yeah. Don't just have fucking months and months and however many screens you have fucking rammed full of Marvel movies or whatever's fucking hot. Yeah. Break it up a bit and get people in to watch a movie that they've probably seen three or four times, but they've never experienced it on the big screen before, Aye. you know? That's it. And make it cheaper, you know what I mean? Make it half price or some horse shit to get folk in, you know? Because at, at least with our local cinema, it's like a lot of the time you would walk in and unless it was like the opening weekend of a big blockbuster movie, a lot of the time you could strut right into that cinema anytime, any day, any time, right. and the place would be semi-empty. Most right. most of the uh, screens wouldn't even be 50% capacity unless, like I said, it's opening weekend. Well, I think because of cinema's shown retro films, I've seen a lot of stuff that was out way before, time before I was born, but I've seen the way it should have been seen on a massive screen. Things like, you know, Clockwork Horrors, things like even things like Jaws and Indiana Jones and the Back to the Futures and Lethal Weapons and the Mad Max, these stuff that is made for cinema that obviously was out long before I was born. Um, mm. And but to get a chance to see the way it should be seen is something really special. And, and even stuff like small stuff, like I've seen Clerks on a big screen, which is... Mm-hmm. Something I hadn't seen before, you know, um, because it was always out when I was too young and it's probably not a film that's going to get a lot of cinema time, but I've got to see there. Things like that, mm-hmm. you know, it, it means a lot to see a film on a big screen, I think, and that's still where a film should be seen. Uh, you know, certainly, well, as we do discuss, you know, the straight to DVD aspect of some films and there's nothing wrong with them, but there's a lot of films you can have that, that feel cinematic. You know, to see Star Wars the first time on a small screen for me was still exciting, but when I went and seen it again mm-hmm. when it released it and put it on a big screen, there was something even more epic seen it the way it should be seen so i do hope oh. that the death of physical media is not here and i do hope that amazon and indeed sony and indeed disney and indeed you know all these studios allow 
films to still be used and seen mm-hmm. in big screens. Because I mean, what, what what they stopping? What what's the big deal about showing, like, say, for example, Snow White on a big screen for kids to go and see on a big screen? What's what's the issue? Why why not do it? You know, exactly. What are you losing? They will, it's just the simple thing of they want your eyeballs on their fucking platform. So the kid might watch Snow White for, I don't, I don't know the runtime of Snow White, right? Say 90 minutes. Right. But you know that kid isn't going to just watch Snow White. They're going to end up going, okay, you know what, I'll stick something else on. And even if it's just background noise, they're going to stick it on. Right. You know what I mean? So that's what they want. They want that analytic of people sitting on the platform, you know? Yeah. And that's all it is. Exactly, dude. Exactly. But on a on a on a positive note, I know you're not the biggest fan of this franchise, but it's it's good to see that James Bond will still be on the big screen because a lot of people were chapping at the bit to have the new James Bond movie on Amazon Prime and I'm like why would you want that? No, because no, I, think, I, think, to come I, think, I think it was the opposite of that. People were, uh, people were worried it would get put on Amazon Prime. They were hoping it should have been Well, I've seen both ways. I've uh, seen both arguments. Most people, so. most people were worried that, would, that Amazon would use this as a way to get people to buy the, buy the Amazon video. Um, mm. But that's not what happened. Um, they, they basically said, no, that the, the foreign movies will definitely be put out on the big screen. They're, they're going to be cinematic. Because yeah. they, they, make, they make too much money, to be honest. They make more money in the cinema than they do offer subscriptions, to be honest. So, yeah. I think it's yeah. So here's hoping there's other stuff. It's, hoping, I'm just hoping they let other stuff go to cinemas. I'm hoping, and see honestly, if they put all all of MGM's back catalog on Amazon Prime. I'd be fucking delighted. Yeah. That, that, that is a massive, enjoyable back catalog. It's been going back to the sort of the dawn of cinema. So mm. if you can get that stuff digitized and put on um, Amazon Prime to be consumed, then I am 100% all for it. So it can actually be seen, and um, just well not there is a desire and the want to do that is um, unfortunately another thing. Yeah, well, that was one half of my movie news. All right, what else you got? I'm I'm intrigued to know what you've got. Are you interested in hearing anything about the Friends Reunited? I watched episode. It. I watched it. I haven't watched it. Do you care? I, 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 it's weird because like I like I really enjoyed Friends when it was on and I and it's still one of those things mm. but I do see it on TV it's one thing you can still watch any random episode and it can still be very funny. Um mm. and a lot of stuff now is still trying to sort of emulate the friends, you know, sort of vibe. Yeah. And and, and when you yeah. watch every, every episode has got at least one solid gold laugh in it. Um yeah. yeah. I'll give you that. Um Matt to see them on screen together, I, I didn't feel like it had any purpose to it. Other than seeing, it was nice to see them all together. It didn't mm. really do much for me. I'm, I'm glad they done it as like what they did, which is sort of a reunion and them all talking about it and them having like sort of rekindling the friendship, rather than trying to do a new episode. Because the way the Friends series ended felt very whole, and it felt everyone had a happy ending, and it felt like in order to make a new series, you'd have to fuck up the happy ending, and so I can't just to make a back up a quick box on doing like a wee extra eight episode series would have felt wrong. Mm. So. I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed the stuff with them. Those bits when they had like David Beckham on it and fucking Kit Harrington and Justin Bieber and I didn't really give a shit about that stuff. But when you see them mm. together, the, the moment they're, they're sort of talking and they're reminiscing and somebody's quite candid about, you know, talk, like Matt Le, not Matt LeBlanc, and Matthew Perry talked about how he struggled with it, you know, and how he struggled with like the, the problems of it. Right, yeah, yeah. Genuinely quite touching to hear them talk about this stuff and it is quite nice and 
it's nice they brought a lot of people back to come wandering in now and again, you know, people who've been on it before. So there's a lot of wholesomeness to it, but ultimately it's a kind of pointless thing. It didn't really, make, it didn't really do mm. anything, if that makes sense. But it, so, it was sort of nice and warm and fuzzy to see them all together again, because they are sort of, I think for us, it's something iconic to our childhood and growing up as the Friends mm. cast. What about you? Well, you Why kind of ruined my... Like, you, you ruined my gag, so... Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I was, when I said, are you interested? I thought, Richard, he's a man of calibre and taste. He's going to say no. And then I was going to scrunch up a bit of paper and then fling it over my shoulder and continue <laughs> on. But that's fine. The the one thing, I don't know if it was on the episode because, like I said, I can't be fucked watching it. This is more of a rant than anything <laughs> from me. Okay. Uh, but it's... So I don't know if it was on the episode or if it was like an interview promoting the episode and it was uh, David Swimmer talking about how him and uh, uh, Jennifer in the first season, they did actually start to have like feelings for each yes. other. Yes. And, you know, just things just never happened. Uh-huh. And I was just like, this is just absolute fucking horse shit. Like when I heard this snippet, I was like, this is fucking just horse shit. And then I'm like, this TV show finished 17 years ago. People need to let it go now. Just get I'm, that I'm, horse I'm, out to the pasture. I'm, I'm very much with you. I do have it as background noise. If I see the big massive fucking run on like Comedy Central, yes. I will. If there's nothing else on, I will plop it on and fuck off and do something else. Yeah. And I'm with you. You can put on a random episode, sit and enjoy it. But I, I don't understand these people who are like, after all this time, still obsessed with it. To me, this is like, this is like the Harry Potter thing all over again. I'm just like, let it fucking go, people. It was then, great. It was not, amazing. I'll give it from my point of view of us, right? Look and go, me and you will pay good hard-earned money, right? To go and watch The Offspring play a gig, right? Mm. And The Offspring, let's be honest with it, have been shit for about a decade, if not more. Yeah, yeah. But we're only going yeah. because of the of the, the, the warm and fuzzies we get from what that means for this as as a childhood thing. And I think the same is with friends. It's that mm. warm and fuzzy feeling that people get when they watch it as kids and they kind of know it and it's sort of just something that rekindles that sort of nostalgia. Um I think the biggest problem is I don't think there's ever been a TV show in my life. Apart from maybe one. And it's almost more a tradition that, like, at least maybe either once a year, round about Christmas time, or once every two years, I will slap on Band of Brothers. That's the only TV show that's... See, outside of that, I've watched countless TV shows. Once they're finished, they're finished to me. That's it. I have no interest that it was a compelling story at the time, but it's over, and that's it. I... I don't ever want to traipse back through stuff again, you know? I mean, I, I do like traipse back through. I don't have the time to do it, but I, like, I could mm. sit down and rewatch like Buffy the Vampire. So, like, I remember watching that as a kid and, I, and it just became an obsession. Same with stuff like The X-Files. Could watch that absolutely every inch of that again, again, again. Um, mm. So I get there is a mentality to it, you know, depending on what your, how you, what your viewing habits are. And Banner Brothers mm. is a separate issue. Banner Brothers is a, it's a concise 12 episode run. It's not a, it's not a 10 season thing, you know? Yeah. So, like I said, right, that's yeah. the one, it's the only TV show out of all the fantastic TV shows that we've had in the last decade. It's the only one 
that's been like consistent that I will happily always go back to the start yeah. and quit and watch it again. You know, I know, but I mean, to that is brilliant. But yeah, no, but I, yeah, I, I get, I get what you're saying to the point with the French thing. But I, I, I'm actually kind of all for it. people. It does no harm people having this woman poisonous to it. Um, watching it, it, it the problem is it's a bit redundant. It didn't really do anything, and it's a bit pointless. Yeah. But yeah. there was a nice, there was a charm to it. Kind of like watching that. I know it's like watching a reunion of literally of your friends and going, we don't really have much in common anymore, but we had this sort of shared experience, and mm. getting these all back together is quite nice. Even if after you're mm. gonna go, probably won't see each other again for a while, but it yeah, it felt nice. It felt nice. Yeah. Fair enough. Like I said, I haven't actually watched it. It was just, I was just like, let it go, people. Just let it go. Come on. Let it go is one thing, but people, like, there's a lot of stuff that we hold on to from, like, you know, when we were like 12, 13 years old that we still love and adore, and we refuse to sort of let it go, you know? I, don't, I, I, can't, I can't say too much on that front because I was blasting Scooter last night in the truck. Well, exactly. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we still, still believe in our heart of hearts that Green Day are a punk band, but in reality, we know they're not anymore, you know? So, and it, the things like that happen, you know? That- that that ship sailed. <laughs> in her heart, there's no. In, in her heart, there's yeah. still a punk band, you know. So that, still love them. That ship sailed when uh, was that uh, Billy Armstrong was like mouthing off about like award ceremonies while picking up an award at the MTV Awards or some yeah. shit. You're like, I hey, mate, know the fucking audience you're in. <laughs> They're giving you an award for being whatever, and you're sitting there going, oh, fucking award ceremonies, fuckies, I'm rock and roll. You're like, Jesus Christ, mate. <laughs> Um, anyway, let's move on to the movies for this week. Aye, uh, that thing. <laughs> that thing, the thing we normally do. So, up first is a Netflix release. It's a Netflix original, and it's called Army of the Dead, directed by mm. Zack Snyder, who did obviously 300, Batman vs Superman, Watchmen, and more importantly for zombie fans, he done the remake of Dawn of the Dead back in the sort of early 2000s. I don't know if you ever saw the remake. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was really good. Generally, I, I think. Remake. I think at some point we did actually speak about it and say how it was almost on par with the original, if yeah. not a bit better. Yeah, it actually yeah. made me not hate fast zombies. Mm. Normally I'm very much against fast zombies, but I think in, in that Dawn of the Dead, they actually do work really well for the most part. They're not fast, fast, mm. they're faster than your normal gambly ones. Um, so, the plot of this one... So, do, sorry, sorry, very, very, very quickly, I've, I haven't bothered Mars Googling it because, as you know, I've literally just woke up. Yeah. Am I right? Am I right in thinking, is there a TV show to accompany this or have I dreamt that? No, there will be a TV show and an animated show as well. Can it come out? Uh, right. I, I, I had a feeling we had spoke about this when yeah. this got first announced. Yeah. But then, obviously, I can't be asked Googling it to find out. Yeah. So. <laughs> there, can be, there can be a whole Arm of the Dead universe that will eventually spring up over the next couple of years on Netflix. Netflix is investing heavily in the Snyder of the Dead universe. Um, so the plot of this one is, there is a zombie outbreak in Las Vegas. Las Vegas gets walled off, and there's a sort of last few survivors managed to fight their way out of um, at Las Vegas. They become sort of national celebrities as the fact that they managed to survive the, the zombie hordes of Las Vegas. They then get recruited into a sort of almost suicide squad of people who are sent into Las Vegas in order to retrieve a lot of money from one of the vaults before Las Vegas gets absolutely nuked. Um, mm. At the same time, you have a story running alongside it of zombies beginning to sort of begin to have a sort of um, civilization, a structure, you know, that they mm. have um, beyond just the, the usual shambly one that we, we all know and love. Um, and the mm. film, leading the front, leading the leading the trip into battle is Dave Batista, 
you also get Ella. the man who you get if you can't afford uh, the drop. <laughs> you get Anna de la Reguera as well, Garrett Dillahunt, who I really like. Theo Rossi popped up in a really horrible role, and Matthias Schweinhofer. If you don't know who he is, you'll see him and you know him, you know exactly who Matthias Schweinhofer is within one second of him talking. Um, I'll start on this one. I, I, it was it was big. It was really it was fucking huge in scale. But like, you know they, they didn't there was a budget on this thing. It did not seem cheap at all. It certainly felt a fucking no. shitload of money of this. It's ninety million. Is that all really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought this between seventy and ninety million. It looks a lot more than that, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Um, anyway, so it's, they, they did spend but for the zombie film. That's a lot of money. So they spent a lot of money on this. Um, it is a big zombie story, and I think one of the problems I have with it is such a it is a try to it's trying to be a big story. It's not a very simple. It's not your simple normal zombie story with a little bit of like real world shit thrown alongside you to try and like make it relevant. This has got about five or six different plot lines going on at the one time, which feels like at least three too many for a zombie film. You know, and that was our biggest thing because this thing clocked in at like two hours and twelve minutes, which is, is it too, aye, something like that. It's, it's a ridiculously long length of time. Aye. Aye, it's chunky. It's two hours twenty-eight. Aye, two it's chunky. It's right up there. Chunk, for a zombie film, just didn't did go away because of that. Totally, totally. The on the plus note, at least there was a lot of things happening all the time. Yes. If I, I think I, I think I texted this after while sitting there watching it. It's like it might be a long run time, but on the positive, there's always something happening because there's like five or six stories on the go. So there's always kind of shit happening, you know? Aye, there's like, the action scenes that are in it are, are really good. They sort of like, some of the chase scenes are excellent, you know, and Snyder mm. knows what he's doing with that. And, and the gore in it is like it's got the level of gore you want from a, from a, a zombie film. It's some really cool. Like the, opening, the opening sort of like montage of like, the bit with the parachute is yeah. like sort of like parachuting into Las Vegas and then just sort of like pulling them down and ripping apart. That was that was really good. Um, yeah, that was really good. But at no point that I ever think that would that would no army would ever go. No, it's a really good idea. See if we parachute the guys into zombies. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed, luck, actually, as stupid as it was. I really enjoyed the zombie tiger. I, I really liked that. Um, you know what? Because I had already seen that on the advertisement posters over social media, I thought that was done really well. Yeah. Because uh, it was like a 3D post on uh-huh. social media. So it looked really cool. And I thought, you know what? I, I'll give you that. That's something different. I'll go I like with that. The, I, I can I believe that. Um, yeah. My biggest issue with this, and this is because I'm a, a very old school when it comes to my zombies, I don't like yeah, fast zombies. Time. I don't like fast zombies. Um, that doesn't work for me. And also, I don't like zombies being smart. That, to me, detracts from the zombie aspect of it. It's, it, it doesn't feel the same. It doesn't feel right. And I get what Snyder's doing. He's trying to move the lore on. He's trying to sort of add to the lore and make it um, something different than, than you know, because they're just because Romero started doing this and his zombie film started bringing an idea of, like, sort of, a, of a leader and a smartness to it, does it, and like, sort of Land of the Dead and things like that. So he pushed that yeah, a little bit yeah. as well. But to me, it just feels very uneven. It doesn't. It doesn't work for me. This, you know, we have this like sort of almost uber zombie. Almost, they're almost like vam- they're almost like vampires at some point. Mm-hmm. The idea of like this uber lord and they all sort of lean off of him. Um, mm-hmm. so that I didn't go for that. You said Batista, who you get if you can't get the rock. <laughs> I don't think Batista's a leading man. <laughs> he, he, he can't hold a film. He's not, he's not a leader of a film. 
100% agree on you. I'm only joking about the whole, like, if you can't afford the rock, you get Batista. But it's simply because it seems to spring up in a lot of movies. If the budget was there, you could have, you could see them stretching to get Dwayne Johnson. And Aye. that's the problem. Aye. But I'm 100% with you. He cannot, he, he doesn't have that, that thing that makes you a league man, unfortunately. Uh, I don't know what that thing is. I don't have it, but whatever it is, he doesn't have it either, unfortunately. No. Uh, luckily enough, though, he is surrounded by a decent a decent yeah. cast that kind of help it along the way. I think if, if the cast around, if his ego was a lot bigger and the cast around him weren't as good, then I think this would have felt hard, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, I would say it's at least I would say it's at least an hour too long. But um, that's just my personal opinion. It's at least an hour too long. Yeah. Uh, Mark, I've got one question. What was the script with the the uh, the kind of zombies that had like either blue eyes or they were like I think there was one that was like a robot or something. Like when his head gets smashed. What's the script with that, or is that something that's going to come out of the TV show or some shit? Some of that lore's going to pop back up in the. The next incarnation of this, um, right? But as, as, as the building, the building, the zombies are now building a society. They have a leader. They have intelligence. They're not just mindless killing machines, um, right? So, so when I was sitting here watching that, this is where my mind was going with it. That see the ones, obviously, that the leaders and then yeah. like the alpha. I. This is where my mind went with it. Was that they weren't full-on zombies, which we all know and love, the fucking shambling just eat and that's it. Mm. These are kind of, they've been bitten, but they haven't fully turned. They're still predominantly in the noggin, they're still human, but they just have this tendency now to want to like eat stuff. Uh, That's where my mind went uh, with it. I'd go to more back back more to sort of animalistic past that kind of thing. What there was something they did put in this, I really liked the idea, like sort of all the ones that are the ones that look lower down the sort of evolutionary chain, the sort of shambling ones that we know. When the sun Mm. hits them, they dry out and they become like useless, but they spring into life when the rain hits them. That was I thought that was a really cool idea. And then I was when they said that, I was sitting there and I'm like, oh man. Because we went, because when the day, the week that we were in Vegas, and it did actually rain for one day, and I was sitting there watching it, and when they said that, I'm like, Stacy, it's gonna fucking rain. <laughs> and then when it never rained, I was like, you son of a bitch. That I... was such a, a wasted keynote, and then not even to see a sniff of it. I wasted. I felt wasted. wasted. I felt like a really good idea. They can maybe brought that into it more. Um, yeah. What do you think? What do you think overall? Did you enjoy it, or was it just overall? I did actually genuinely enjoy this. Uh, um, you know yourself, the zombie market has absolutely been flooded with movies. Some good, some bad, some in between. About yourself, he's pushing the story along, and Netflix is investing heavily in it. So I think this is a good start. Uh, the key character for me in this movie, and I thought she was brilliant, was uh, the helicopter pilot. I thought her, and I didn't know who she was until I looked into it after the movie. It turns out she's a stand-up comedian, and that was uh, Tig Notora. Oh, Notorio? I don't know. You're making more nuts about her character, though, right? 
she wasn't yes. set filming at the same time. Oh, really? The original guy who was in that film, in the role, was, I can't remember his name, but he basically got done for being, you know... Oh, no. You know, has been called Epstein out. that up? Yeah, he's been... Louis C.K. in it, yeah. So he's, he's getting done for that. So basically, they brought her in after they all finished filming and just interjected her into the film. Whoa, no way. So there is a few scenes you can tell. Like the scene when they're talking through the, the wire fence and she's at the helicopter at the very start. That was very obvious. Ah. That was a bit... There's other scenes when they actually put her in next to people and it looked... I didn't know... You wouldn't notice that she wasn't there. Aye. Aye, no, I didn't know that either. Aye. I actually didn't know that. Aye. Okay, cool. But, see, but like I said, because she's a comedian, I thought her comedic timing and what she said in the movie, spot on. Uh, she she actually she she made it funny. And like you said, that start scene when they're when they're getting the gang together, that was fucking hilarious. Yeah. It's just walking up. Hey, you interested? Totally, one hundred percent. You don't even know what it is. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm interested. Uh, <laughs> You know what we oh, need, if you want know what we need, one well, you're talking to me, so I send my helicopter. There you go. So, <laughs> um, I mean, it's funny that, that she can she can get that talk and she can have those beats, but she wasn't doing it. She was actually having to, she was having to react off the line that they were using with the other actor. Yeah, yeah. So I agree that that was a really impressive Crazy. part. And if, if you didn't know it, then you maybe not. I noticed that a few bits. There's a few bits when it's sort of like the back because like. When they're talking across the fence, the fence, it's like you can literally tell just cutting from one to another, back and back and back and back. So that obviously is because they didn't have one set. But there's there is yeah, genuine yeah. shots. You see her like walking through and next to us and next to and interacting with the other actors, and that was all done in post. So they just put they basically put her into the into the scene, which mm. I think is pretty incredible. Yeah, totally. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> there you go. Um, so yeah, what do you think? Out of ten, what are you giving it? I'm giving this a solid seven, and okay. now I'm actually intrigued about the TV show and the animated, animated show when that comes along, you know? Um, I'm, a little, I'm six and a half out of ten. I, I enjoyed it, but maybe not quite as much as you. There's a lot of stuff I liked in it, but yeah. again, just the run time took me off and uh, not a fan of smart zombies. But, um, but was, oh, there's enough, enough gore and enough sort of like zombiness of you know and recognise in there for me to enjoy it still as well. So I, I, I enjoyed it. Okay, okay, okay. Nice. Um, up next, one that is in the cinema just now, but also available on Amazon Prime and available for video on demand, and that is the 2021 reboot of a beloved franchise of Tom and Jerry. Um, this is directed by Tim Story, who you might know from doing stuff like Ride Along. He's done the Fantastic Four and Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer, um, you know, which is now known as the good Fantastic Four movies. He also did Shaft, and he also did Taxi. So he's done a, he's done a lot of sort of Sort of rebooting of um, franchises, so he's sort of well on, mm. on his way. So this one is Tom and Jerry come to New York. Jerry ingratiates himself into a hotel. The hotel decides they don't want a mouse running about the hotel when they're having to run a big fancy wedding, uh, and so they hire Tom to run Jerry out of town in Tom's usual fashion. Um, alongside Tom and Jerry, who do get billing by themselves, which I think is always very weird when they do stuff like that. Um, you've also got Chloe Grace Moretz. Michael Pena, Robert De- Rob Delaney, Colin Yost, and Ken Young um, pop up in it as well. Um, Barry, what do you think of this one? I'm going to say at the very top, I believe we're not the age group anymore for this movie. Right? Before you get to that, though, were you a Tom and Jerry fan? Are you a Tom and Jerry fan? Yes. Yes. 
right? So I had to say that at the top. Right? Uh-huh. I, it did make me chuckle a few times yeah. in regards to when Tom was injuring myself because it, it reminded me of the cartoon. There was very, there was very big nods to the, the things that have happened in the cartoons. Absolutely. Like the way, right? So that got a couple of chuckles. But in terms of like story and just general interest in the storyline, I couldn't have cared less for it. Uh, but that being said, I know I'm not the demographic for this movie. This is a very young movie. So yep. that's why I'm, I, I can't fault it. And I'm not going to sit here and bash it into the ground because we are not the age group for it. Yeah, uh, but I, I didn't really, I still, I'm always kind of on the fence with these kind of movies where it's live action with animated characters in it. Now, as we know, things like the Pink Panther done it really well. Um, but sometimes movies like this, like this one, for example, it just kind of missed the mark. It was too jarring, if you know what I mean. Like there was too much, there was too much animation mixed in with real life, if that makes sense. Well, so it every, became like this. Every animal in it was animated. You notice that? Yeah. There's yeah, no yeah, live action yeah. animal. Every animal in it was an animated animal. So at some point they've got like they've got bugs, they've got cats, they've got dogs, they've got um, elephants. elephants at one point, they've got everything on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all yeah. Animated. So that, that's that's the, the the reality they've set up is that every animal is animated essentially, which mm-hmm. that yeah, yeah. that plot what flows. I'm with you a big part of it. Like there are some there are some nice wee touches on the Tom and Jerry cartoons or like sort of some of the, the setup and I, and I giggled at them because I, I remember watching these as a kid and I really enjoyed them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. The story with the adults and the story with the human characters, I just did not give a shit. Just exactly. absolutely pass it by. It made no sense to me. It was it changed the rules of what the story was supposed to be. How mm. the story comes about makes no sense whatsoever. Um, and it filled with it. With the exception, I, can't, I don't know who played her, but the girl who they think is like sort of was raised by wolves in the middle of the forest. Who always <laughs> like I wrote that. I think that's in your own. She will go into, She might go into bigger and better things. And you remember her from that film when she was like. That was a really well played sort of well done role that you sort of you, you really embodied that. Um, there's there's no surprise in the story whatsoever. You can see a mile away, you know, like there's not a single twist and turn that doesn't come at you. Like you can see it correctly, like, you know, from a hundred miles away. But even I was thinking, Tom and Jay is a thing where like we love it because we 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 watched it as kids, and I feel we might be the last generation to watch it as kids. Do kids still watch Tom and Jerry? Is Tom and Jerry still a thing? I don't know, man. Like, unfortunately, even my nieces, like, they kind of quickly grew out of what I would consider the prime age bracket Uh for that, like, that anime, like, that kind of style of a TV show. It's like, they quickly bypassed it, and, yeah, it's, they didn't, I never seen them sitting there watching, like, those kind of old school cartoons that, like you said, was part of our bread and butter growing up, you know? I've got here, man, he's saying, like, my my, my, like, my my sister or sister-in-law is saying, oh, the kids are sitting down here because they love Tom and Jerry. I've not heard any of them say, like, they love Tom, like, Tom and Jerry or Foghorn Leghorn or, you know, Roadrunner or Wiley Coyote. I don't, I don't know anyone who's actually watching that stuff just now. So that's what it felt like. Who's this film aimed at? If it's not aimed at us, which I get, they're trying to make kids. Do kids give a fuck? And I don't think kids do. I think adults care more about Tom and Jerry than kids care about Tom and Jerry. At which point, you've got to make the Tom and Jerry story at least have a few jokes in there that can, you know, hit us more. Mm. You know, that actually, you know, so 
that's the problem with it. There's nothing really in there at all. And it does feel very, very kiddy. Um, mm. Also, an hour and 40 yeah. again, you could probably trim 10, 15 minutes off it. it just seems, I think it's going to test the patience of you. Kids who are not in, kids who don't know who Tom and Jerry are, are going to be really mm. going, we're running the patience in this. Um, so I get what you're saying. It's hard to be like harsh on it because it is, it's not, we're not the prime audience for it. But then I'm not really entirely sure who the audience for it is because I can't see kids mm. now want to watch it. So in that, in that case, it has been made for us or us to show our kids it. Yeah. But then, but but then, I would rather uh, stick myself over onto YouTube and stick on like the every animation from back in the day. Yeah. They've got like massive like four four hour fucking like videos of all the right. classics. That's what I would rather do than sit there and show them this like modern adaptation of Tom of what we think Tom and Jerry is. When this is albeit a couple of chuckles. A few skits that we kind of vaguely remember from back in the day. I would rather just pop them down, show them like cartoons, and they're either going to love the cartoons or not. And then at right. least then you've not wasted, I don't know, what like a, right. I don't, how much are kids for the cinema these days? Like, are they still half an adult or there's it more than that? Now? I think it's maybe two thirds of an adult, possibly the price for kids. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'd be fucking heartbroken if my kids were sitting there and they weren't even watching this I- if I took them there. And I can see kids not caring about this. Um, I'm giving it very average 5 out of 10. I was joining you on that one purely for the things of what I've said previously, you know. So 5 out of 10 for me, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Finally, last film is one out of the cinemas now, and that is called Those Who Wish Me Dead, um, directed by Taylor Sheridan, um, who did a film called Wind River um, a few years ago, which I Mm. really enjoyed, Wind River. Um, and he also has done the TV show Yellowstone recently, which is doing like massive business. Apparently, one of the highest rated TV shows in America. But I've not actually anyone who's watched it, but apparently it's huge. So okay, that. But on top of that, he's uh, also a writer. He's also a writer. That's he very writes, bad, sorry. sorry, he writes. He wrote Sicario one and two. Uh, and ah, okay, also, yeah, yeah. And he also wrote Hell or High Water. If you've seen that film, um, so he, yeah. he's definitely a guy that is um, sort of, you know. Had a certain style of, of writing, a certain style of filmmaking that um, is he's sort of bringing to this as well. Um, mm. Yeah, so, so he's, he's got he's got pedigree. Um, and this film you got Angela Jolie, Nicholas Holt, John Bertenthal, Aidan Gillian, and Jake Weber. The story of the plot is there's a bunch of fire fighters. I think they jump into I think they're called smoke jumpers who jump into forest fires and they try and put them out. Um, very very similar to the uh, army jumping into zombies. Yes. This is a theme this week. This seems the less smart way of doing it. Um, anyway, Angela <laughs> Jolie is struggling after the, the death of um, uh, someone she was responsible for. Uh, and she's come across mm-hmm. a young kid who is running away from um, basically hired assassins who are out to kill him uh, um, after, after he's been given information that his father was a sort of a, a, a accountant. Who is bringing bringing down sort of like very high ranking members of the government, and sort of, and it's basically she's trying to protect him and get him to safety, and probably pursued by them. So that that's a general feeling of the film. And um, I thought you sent me a text saying you hated this film because you didn't understand it, which there's a, there's a tweet around, say- there's a tweet around recently that says, "Is it a plot point you missed? No, is it is it a bad plot or is it a plot point you missed because you're looking at your phone?" And I think you're looking at your phone at a certain <laughs> plot point, meaning you missed a certain part that I explained a lot to you. Um, Probably because I was sitting there texting you going, what's the plot of this movie? 
You've missed a key moment in the film that sort of ruined it for you. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a well done kind of like grown up movie. You know, you, mm. we don't actually get a lot of these anymore. Sort of this like mid budget, mm. well acted, good story. Not trying to make into, not trying to sort of make a, a franchise. Not coming from any existing IP. Just a, someone's wrote, someone sat down and wrote a story. You know, which mm. I think is something that's been sadly missing from cinema. Um, 100% I'll back that I will back that idea and ideology every fucking day of the week Yeah, uh, it's just I'm I'm exhausted with every movie that comes out now is always angling for a fucking massive fucking 10 fucking movie deal franchise you're like guys just write a solid fucking one time fucking smasher yeah. You know, nothing wrong with a good movie, and that's impressive. And same like yeah. all these other films, like Sicario One, is I did not go Sicario, but Sicario holds itself as a singular movie. Hell or High Water, fantastic movie, Wind River as well, fantastic film. Just growing up, adult story, you can actually sit and watch as an adult and not have to worry about. You know, people can swear, people can smoke, people can people can make bad choices. Baddies can do yeah. things that you know maybe get away with something, they don't get away with something. But there's no sort of need to make a moral twelve a film that you know was all the less in it. So. For that aspect, I enjoy. I very much enjoyed a, a, a genuine grown-up movie, which I feel they are so few and far between to try and find these films. Um, equally, Angela Jolie's not been on screen a lot over the last like sort of five or six years. It seems like she's been missing um, because I don't know if you've been you know, doing family life and things like that. So yeah, was, just you know, you, we talked about Dave Bautista doesn't have like sort of that film star leading man thing. Angela mm-hmm. Jolie has. The film star leading woman thing. She there is something magnetic about her on film. So as soon as she walks on the screen, you go right. But she is a movie star through and through, mm. absolute movie star. So when you watch her, it's great to see her back. Um, story itself, enough zigs and zags in the story to make you interested. Um, doesn't overload you on stuff. It kind of gives you what you need to know and makes you try and work out a few things as well. Some people didn't work out what was being said, um, and maybe didn't get the story quite as much as um, they should have done. Um, and also I thought it looked fantastic. I thought it looked stunning landscape. The fire effects I thought were great as well. Um, mm. And it just it felt very real, if not a heightened reality, you know, because of what's going on, but it felt like a very real story. Um, yes. Generally, yes. just it was pretty concise. I think it's been, been an hour and 50, so it's pretty concise as well. In fact, I, think it's, I actually think it's shorter than Tom and Jerry. I yeah, think it's not. an hour 40. Aye, so, and it's, you know, it tells a much better story than I ever thought it than Tom and Jenny did. Um, so no, I, yeah. I really dug, I really, I really dug this. After I sent yeah. you a text to explain the plot to you that you missed, <laughs> did did you did that make you reassess the film in any way? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Uh, like, but like, I think I said to you or I said to Stacey at the time, it's like the plot of the movie should not be quietly discussed between a father and son in a car. It's like in the middle of the movie. It should be a bit more kind of up front and central, you know. What but about, that being, did, did Stacey get the plot, or was, or was she like going, "You're an idiot as well"? You know, or is she was she struggling with it as well? I think they both missed it. Yeah, I'm being brutally honest. But then, who's two up to? You missed that. Man. Oh, fact, so, sorry, 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 sorry. She didn't even watch it. I was yeah, okay. watching it myself. Aye, aye. Aye. So, uh, yeah. Aye. You know. It's a good movie, you know. Uh, looking back at it, like you said, it's like it's good to have just a one-timer, a good fucking good movie. No fucking bullshit, fucking angling for like franchise endings and all that horse shit. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, 
I, I, it was just a good movie, man. Like, I don't really know what else to That's say. It was good. just a simple... It was, it was just a it's good movie, cool. you know? It was very enjoyable. It doesn't hang about, like the like yeah. we just said, the runtime's really tight. It's, you know... I, it's not like a nomad land that sort of makes you think about it for days after and makes you wonder about it. It's just a well-told story in the hour mm-hmm. and Well, In the same way, like, not every book you read has to be War and Peace. Something you read about going, it's a fucking good book. I enjoyed that. I won't read that again, but I fucking enjoyed that. I enjoyed yeah. this film. I thought it was a good film. And then someone says to me, what should I watch this week? And I go, you know what? Those Wish Me Dead is, a well, is mm. well worth your time. It won't, mm. it won't blow you away to like, you want to watch it every single weekend or anything like that. But you're definitely sitting mm-hmm. there on for it's and go, that's a well-told, well-done story. Everyone's very good in it. Nicholas Holt, I think, turned into a really good actor. Um, John Bertenthal, I want to see more stuff. He didn't, he didn't have enough to do. He plays, like, the, the cop. He yeah, yeah. His role was a little bit underwritten for, for who he is. Absolutely, yeah. Um, that that was the only thing I, f- I felt was a wee bit unbelievable about the movie was him and these misses in the movie. Like, uh, at the, without spoiling it, the... At the end, I was just a bit like, How's, how did you manage to do that again? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, what's your secret? So I can maybe try and use that in real life. Yeah. But uh, but outside of that, yeah, I thought, you know, the actual setting was fantastic because as we know, like California is like always on fire now. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's very believable. Uh, you can see like these kind of bush firemen at all. Firemen and fire ladies uh, actually having this sort of like PTSD because, as you know, we've all seen the videos online of cars driving through what literally looks like actual hell on earth. Yeah. Uh, so you can see like where these people would maybe start picking up, like, you know, symptoms if they can't save people and all that, you know? So, all right. So, we enjoyed it. Yeah. Would you return to it in the near future? That's my question. I'm, I'm, I'm just glad that you've now you've explained this plot, explained to you actually enjoyed it. I was thinking, of all the films that we watched this week, I thought there's one that Barry can be pissed off about watching, and I did not expect <laughs> to be the thriller revenge firefight movie. One even go, this is shit. I thought I honestly thought it'd be yeah. one. You know, there's a one about an animated cat, animated rat that you might have disliked a lot more. Uh, well, like I said, I've got to be kind to it because I'm not the demographic for it. Okay. So. Um, for those who yeah. wish me dead, I'd give it a very solid 7 out of 10. What about you? Cool. I'm giving it 6 out of 10 as well. I'm going to 6 out of 7. So, very solid films. Next week, we have some interesting stuff to watch. On Amazon Original, we have Big Liam in a film called Honest Thief. This looks like Big Liam doing Big Liam things. And mm-hmm. Also, on Disney Plus, um, you have to buy it if you want to watch it, or it's in the cinema. If anyone can get to the cinema, um, Cruella, the the sort of the origin story of the lady who likes to kill the Dalmatians, and also, I mean, honestly, okay, and also in the cinema <laughs> we have we're going to go and watch it last couple weeks ago. We're going to go watch it this week, and it's called The Unholy, um, which is a kind of supernatural religious thriller horror that's out as well. We're going to watch that as well this week. We're definitely going to watch those this week. Now we can get to cinemas. Um, kill, kill, kill. So, where we find us, Barry? All the usual social media haunts at Three Beers in a Movie Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. That's great. And that's us for this week. This week, I've been Richard. You've been Barry. And you've been listening to. There we go, man. That was good. Three Beers in a Movie.